Welcome back to season three of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I am really excited to have with me Sophia Fox, the Product Marketing Lead at Glassdoor. I don't know about you all, but I use Glassdoor all the time to find out about companies and learn about what employees are thinking and just get a little bit of intelligence about companies that may be looking at or maybe even competitors for that matter. And so I'm really, really excited for this conversation with Sophia, and I think you will be as well. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. Sophia, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So Sophia, you've been in product marketing now for a while, and I love to ask this question to pretty much everyone on the podcast, but I think everyone's path into product marketing is a little bit different. So can you share a little bit with me about what your path looked like and how you got into product marketing, what interested you in product marketing? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. I feel like no one's path is the same and you don't have any folks coming out of school like, I'm going to be a product marketer or (laughs) even have that formal education. For me personally, product marketing is so different at different companies, different industries. They're different between hardware and software product marketing. But for me, I just love how strategic PMM can be. And I love building out PMM functions at organizations that either like never had it or those that want to continue to evolve it. So my path is definitely not traditional. I always thought I'd have diplomatic immunity by now. (laughs) I went to school for international relations. I had my eyes set on public diplomacy and nonprofit work. And then I just fell in love with the creative and strategic, like, business sides of marketing, advertising, and branding early in my career. And I had several jobs where I got to do just that. And one day I moved to the Bay Area and broke into tech, got my first product marketing job as a second PMM hire at a SaaS company. And I loved it. I got to leverage all of these quote unquote, like transferable skills and experiences that I had gained up to that point. So for me, it's my formal education taught me positioning. My early professional work in biz dev, biz strategy, marketing leadership really gave me a really strong foundation to work off of then. And I still leverage a lot of that today. That's amazing, Sophia. And it's incredible how many times I've heard from different individuals that they didn't quite know about product marketing in college. And if they only knew, so to speak, right, uh, doing a lot of the core skills of product marketing once getting into the the job world, I guess, and, and then finally finding their way into the actual profession. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about messaging because I think Glassdoor is in this really interesting space, right? Where you serve a lot of businesses and I know that's the side of the business you work on quite a bit. And you also obviously serve a lot of consumers as well and kind of just individuals or job seekers as well. So Glassdoor is really in this crowded marketplace with a lot of other sites that do kind of niche functionality, I would say, right? Job search or maybe just salaries or whatever the case may be. And Glassdoor really brings a lot of that together. I already mentioned that I'm personally a huge fan of Glassdoor, but 
I imagine it made for some really interesting positioning and messaging challenges internally and some discussions internally. Can you share like a little bit more about how you think of the category for Glassdoor, how you think about messaging that to other businesses and some of the trade-offs you've made in messaging and positioning? I can definitely hit on some of those things. Same here. Glassdoor is actually one of my dream companies to work for and really excited that I get to represent Glassdoor in this capacity. Glassdoor has been around for over a decade and I personally wasn't there when Glassdoor first entered the market, but I can really speak to the fact that Glassdoor was a game changer then. And they were a game changer as a leading sign in workplace transparency. And we're still striving to do this today. That hasn't changed. And so from a positioning and messaging perspective, at our core, our mission hasn't changed. We're here to help people find jobs and companies that they love. And therefore, our positioning hasn't really changed. We really want to continue to go beyond the job description, unlike other job sites. We want to continue to be that trusted source and getting the inside scoop on what it's like to work at a company in various ways. And then our messaging evolves as our products and services do, because we got to stay relevant, right? So we've been shining a light on the employee experience with authentic reviews and ratings and other helpful insights. Yeah, since then and continue to do now. I think we have like, what, 95 million of them over 1.7 million companies at this point. So it's really exciting. And I think from a competitive landscape or just from an HR tech perspective, one of the things to stay at the top spot We've done a lot of research and taken some big swings recently to maintain our leadership position. So again, while our core positioning and our mission hasn't changed, how we go about serving our customers, whether that's the employer or the job seeker or the employee, we've just done some really cool things recently. Like for example, Glassdoor and Indeed, our sister company, we've partnered up so that we can offer both employers and job seekers the best of both. So Glassdoor can really double down our investments in our employer branding and insights products and features. Most recently, we released Review Intelligence, which is an amazing tool where employers can get even more insights into how they are perceived as a brand. And indeed, our sister company, we're able to leverage the number one job site in the world for our job seekers and our employers. We also released DEI features. Because we don't want to just say, okay, just come for company reviews when really people want to know what DEI looks like within an organization before joining. It's so critical. So I think we have about over 3 million DEI company ratings at this point, plus millions of demographic data points. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And then finally, super excited. I mean, we have Fishbowl by Glassdoor now. And this is where you could really go and speak to somebody that's working at an organization of your interest, whether you're doing it seriously or just, you know, passing by passively. It's really cool. <laughs> I love that. I, I certainly remember the days, maybe I'll show my age a little bit here, but the days of the informational interview, right? Where, where you just wanted to talk to somebody just to get a sense of that company. Totally. And so I love the idea behind Fishbowl. And really just going back to DE&I, it's really incredible that the position that Glassdoor is in, you're able to really shine a light on that in such an important way. It's something that I think we as product marketing leaders can be doing so much around. And it's something I think about as I'm hiring on my team quite a bit and growing you know, gender and diversity in so many different ways, but across my team. And, and so I, I love hearing that you're focused on that. It's such an important topic for our industry, one that I don't think we, or our profession, I should say, and one that we don't talk enough about. 100%, 100%. 
And I mean, the hiring landscape for for businesses and in the search landscape for individuals, both sides of that has changed quite dramatically, right? Like it used to be, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago that if you wanted a job, you just search for maybe the company that paid you the most or whatever the best title was or whatever the case may be. And and today it's about a lot more. It's about culture fit. It's about the values of that organization. And I love that you're, you're talking about really bringing that to the forefront. How are you bringing that to the forefront with companies? And how are you kind of shining a light on that in the work that you're doing at Glassdoor? Yeah, that's a really great point and so important. Back then, you're right. There weren't as many resources now you can't hide. (laughs) You as an employer can't hide. You as a job seeker can't hide. And we kind of can hide. But it's very easy for someone to just quote unquote Google something and find information, whether it's at Glassdoor or somewhere else. And I think what we really want to do from a B2B perspective or with our employers is to really empower our employer partners to put their best foot forward as a great place to work. And in order to do that, they have to really think about strategically their employer branding strategy. And that's not just from an HR perspective, that's from a branding holistic perspective. And really taking seriously how not just other job seekers or external folks think about their brand or perceive their brand, but the employee experience, how their own employees feel. And that in turn provides the information and insights both internally for the business to make changes as they need to, or make decisions as they need to, as well as insights for job seekers, potential candidates to take a look at and really think about, okay, this is the type of company that I wanna join. This is a team that I would wanna join. And it's done at that authentic deep level. For sure. And a lot of leading companies, or, or it seems like to me at least, and, and I certainly don't have all of the data that you do or Glassdoor does, but just from, from my experience talking to a lot of product marketers and talking to a lot of product marketing leaders, I should say, across various companies, it seems like to me that a lot of these leading brands and leading companies that are establishing these great cultures are really establishing these employer brand marketing teams, even whether it falls under marketing or not is, is maybe a separate debate or discussion we right. can have. But <laughs> That's a whole um, different podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it seems like a a lot of these brands are are, are really starting to think about themselves more so than their product or their perception in the marketplace. But what is the employee experience? I I spent nearly six years at at HubSpot and they would always say that employees are critical to that experience and that you know, we as employees, I mean, at the time, at least could naturally like put that voice out into the market and draw people in, even if we weren't intentionally like recruiting somebody. And at the time I didn't maybe put enough stock in that. And and since I've now become really a hiring manager and leader myself, it's really so crucial and interesting to, uh, to see, I, I guess, pay off or play out, maybe I should say in the market. Absolutely. Coming back a little bit to Glassdoor's audiences and the market, how are you thinking about balancing a lot of these different use cases and audiences that you have? I mean, even just speaking in the business landscape, right? I I imagine you have a lot of really large companies and a lot of maybe smaller companies, a lot of companies across different verticals or industries, and probably not just those segments, but, but a lot of different segments across your platform. So how are you thinking about messaging and positioning and ensuring that it remains a sense of consistency? and holds true to your North Star and your vision that you mentioned early on in this podcast. 
without, I guess, watering down, so to speak, some of the product messaging, like maybe Fishbowl or some of the other things? That's a great question. And I would say it all starts with, you know, doing our due diligence up front and our research. So we work, PMM at Glassdoor works daily with our head of market insights. Actually, our head of market insights is part of our PMM organization, which is very rare and awesome. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Me too. It's really a game changer in, in its own ways. But I would say have, doing our due diligence to really think about, okay, who is our target customer? Identifying who that is first and then doing segmentation work. I think that's been really critical in order for us to even get our minds around, okay, who are we talking to before we talk about how we're going to talk to them or what we're going to say? Because again, at our core, our positioning as a business has remained intact, right? It's the same. It's just a matter of, okay, what are we going to talk about? Is it for a product launch? Is it a PR campaign for the brand, et cetera? So for me, in our conversation, I'll use product launches as an example. There's like two particular internal resources that are really critical to ensure there's consistency as much as possible with messaging by the time it gets outside of the company. First is a product on a page. And second is a messaging framework. I think those two internal resources save so much time, but it's just a lot of work up front. And so both of them have key components like, what is the actual feature or product name? You're going to be surprised. I feel like most people are surprised how often an external facing product name or feature does not initially stick <laughs> because it's had some code name for a long time. And so just making sure we're all on the same page, what is this project feature called outside of the company? Who are target audiences based on the research that we had done? What's the go live date? And what's our actual business objectives? What are we trying to achieve? What's the success metric? Then the product on the page internal resource should also include things like how it works. It should include packaging and pricing, if that's something going to be helpful for the stakeholders, what market or geo it's going into launch into, and the value proposition, which is also an internal statement. The messaging framework is when it gets really fun. This is where you have some internal messaging stuff like your value proposition or your positioning statement, but then you have already approved keywords, already approved external facing headline or elevator pitch where you can have your key messages, features, proof points, or reasons to believe. I mean, you just want all of your stakeholders to be on the same page first internally, whether that's your product design teams, your marketing creative teams, or your sales and CS organizations. That makes a ton of sense. And I love that term product on a page. It, it, it makes a ton of sense. And it, it provides a really clear distinction between the kind of internal positioning that you're doing, so to speak, comparatively to the external, what I would just call messaging, right? That you're going to be putting out on maybe the product page or at the public facing website. So that makes a ton of sense. And I, I love that way of framing it. Awesome. Yeah. I had a former manager slash CMO who was all about the PAOP. <laughs> Let's make that clear before we get that messaging framework done. <laughs> For sure. So you mentioned your Market Insights lead that works with your team. Can you maybe drill a little bit more into that? Like, How do you work together? How does that Market Insights lead define what sort of research they're doing? And are they typically doing research for positioning and messaging? Are they doing broader market research on any marketing content that's being put out? Is it a whole mix of both? I think there's probably a million questions we could ask there, right? But curious how you think about that kind of collaboration between your team and the market research team. Oh, absolutely. Our head of market insights is the core of our product marketing organization. And 
we in product marketing, as well as our head of market insights works very closely with different functions as well. So we work very closely with our product organization. We work very closely with our business operations organization, as well as sales and CS and marketing. And so it really depends on what we're trying to learn. So I think it really starts with what is our business trying to achieve? And based on those, what do we need to really dig deeper into that we want to work with our head of market insights to help us identify the approach and actually get it done, right? <laughs> so for example, if we're hearing some buzz from the market saying we need to develop X feature or we need to think about developing a brand new feature, then we're going to work with our head of market insights who's created actual communities that we can tap into for both on the employer side and on the job seeker side to learn from the actual customers, the end users, what should we build? If we were to build it, what's the value in it? And then use that to make some product decisions. We can use that to make business decisions. Do we want to enter a new market? Do we want to differentiate further? Do we want to have new positioning or messaging based on any of those decisions? So, I mean, core, at our core. I absolutely love that. I've said so many times, and I, I won't bore you and the listeners here by repeating too, too much, but just to say that I think research is absolutely crucial to the function that we do in product marketing and too many people overlook it or try to shortcut it. I, I know everyone listening can't necessarily see the smile on my face, but it just brings a huge smile to my face that research is at the core of the work that you do. So that's amazing. Maybe one more question. Somebody brought this up to me recently. It was another product marketing leader who I, I really respect and, and admire in a, in a lot of ways. And they said that, what, what are the thoughts around separating research as a function? Is, is the concern there that you as a leader and the PMMs that report to you for that matter will lose some sense of being connected to your customers and or the market? So I guess my question is like, how are you ensuring that your PMMs are still connected to the market without maybe doing some of that research themselves? Mm, that's a really great question. And I wonder if the answers would vary based on size of company and just sheer resourcing, right? So Glassdoor, I would say PMM is still very hands-on the research process. And so we really partner with their head of market insights. Sometimes she will be the ones actually doing the interviewing as an example, or developing the questionnaire or what have you, some of the tactical elements. But our product marketing team, every single member of our product marketing team has also done that as well. And we just take her lead because she's the expert in the approach. How, what kind of research do we want to do? So depending on the size of company, you're not always going to have that dedicated resource. So product marketing, you know, in partnership with product, sometimes even with CS, you're getting really in it is going to continue to be critical to the success of any PMM organization or organization as a whole. So I'm a firm believer of roll your sleeves up, talk to the customer. <laughs> it's really fun too. That's one of the best parts of product marketing. I, I agree. Yeah. There's not a week that goes by that I, I don't try to talk to at least a few customers and it's just so important to what we all do. So that's amazing. But maybe one more question that that kind of falls along the same lines, but, but also brings us back to, to messaging a little bit, which is like differentiating from competition is crucial as we know, but as you think about doing competitive research and competitive intelligence, how do you take that intelligence on what they're doing and how they're positioning themselves and build that into your actual messaging process? 
Yeah, that's a really great question and really ties to what we just talked about. Again, we work very closely with our head of market insights. We also work with our product leads and our business operations leads. And each function does a little bit of competitive intel, just as product marketing does. And the way that we infuse it into our positioning and messaging is at the beginning of creating that messaging framework, whether it's for a product launch or whether it's for a brand campaign, what is happening in market is then put into that messaging framework as a means to differentiate Glassdoor or Glassdoor's products or features. So without that competitive intel, we can't have that core piece of our messaging framework that says, this is how we're different. This is how we're better, or this is how we can do something more. And then from a go-to-market perspective, when we work on the B2B side, tactically, PMM is responsible for creating and updating battle cards so that our team is always armed with, this is how we're going to talk to Glassdoor features or products against X competitor. Exactly. Love that. And that's really where a lot of product marketing teams can provide a lot of value too, right? Because if we are doing a good job staying connected to the customer, being the voice of the customer and the voice of the market, a lot of that will frankly come a little naturally. It's not to say that we can write a battle card with our eyes closed, so to speak, oh, yeah. right? because there's lots of details in the things like battle cards, but, but it's a whole lot easier to do write that battle card if you have that knowledge from talking to customers and doing the research upfront versus trying to create it and do that on the fly. Absolutely. And talking to the customers, again, going back to just that alone, you can see what's important to the customers and using that as a means to help with your messaging and even using their language directly makes a huge difference in how it resonates with whomever you're trying to convince to do X. I'm glad you said that because I've certainly done that myself. I've definitely used their language directly on things they've said to me in calls or even just on review sites and then actually talked to an individual in that language. And so that can be so powerful. And I, I think a lot of times we try to craft this perfect positioning statement, perfect messaging statement. And don't get me wrong, there's tons of value in that. But a lot of times using the, the customer's own language is the best way to go about it. A hundred percent. My first iteration of messaging tends, I'm always guilty of, okay, that was way too jargony or technical or what have you. And just humbling and being like, hold on, let me take a step back. <laughs> How does a customer talk about it? That helps kind of really shake it up a little bit and make it more digestible. 100%. And speaking of that and what customers think and, and using their own words, how are you looking at the success of your messaging and positioning, right? I, I, I think of messaging and positioning as a bit of an art, but there naturally has to be the other side to it, which is that science and the business metrics that we're naturally impacting. So how do you think about that? 100%. And I think also differentiating between positioning and messaging statements that are internal facing versus external facing. And a lot of the external facing I want to also give so much love and credit to copywriters, like product marketers. I feel like, yes, we have to be good enough to be dangerous, but copywriters, that's an art form. Hundred <laughs> yes. And so, you know, really having someone who is a wordsmith makes a huge difference by the time it gets to external facing work from to answer your questions directly in terms of the success of messaging and positioning. Um, at Glassdoor, I think definitely having a feedback loop with their sales and CS organizations from the B2B side. So to make sure that PMM is in the known, what's hitting and what's not. 
and really take an iterative approach. Other ways that we measure success at Glassdoor is our core business metrics. So with what we're pushing out in market, are we successfully driving new unique users on the B2C side? Are we driving revenue? What's our net promoter score? Is it showing that folks are willing to recommend Glassdoor, whether on the B2B or B2C side, are they advocates of the brand, engagement with the brand? I think all of those things are great indicators for how we look at success for messaging and positioning. In my past life, when I worked in self-serve SaaS, I worked very closely with our growth marketing cohorts, and we just test, test, tested our messaging on various channels. And that helped either drive up or we needed to work on certain business metrics like conversion to free, free to paid, or direct to paid signups. For sure. Yeah. The feedback loop in a lot of product-like growth companies or self-serve SaaS companies is so tight that it really provides this nearly instantaneous kind of data that you can gather or at least start to gather. Whereas companies that maybe are a bit more sales-led or have that sales-led motion can use SDRs. A guest on the podcast actually mentioned to me that he uses the SDR team to actually test out messaging. I thought that was a brilliant way of actually thinking about how we as product marketing leaders can test out messaging without and get that feedback fairly quickly totally. in a way that you know, doesn't have the same scalability or, or viability as self-service has. And, and I love your way of, of testing that and the metrics it can impact as well. It's important for us to think about that at a large scale rather than just, you know, we're writing this statement and it's going to be great and it's going to be static and it's going to live on the product page or the website forever. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially I think the larger organizations that you go into, the more critical it is to make sure you get that internal feedback loop going as soon as possible at various levels and with various stakeholders. hundred percent agree. So I'm certainly not perfect. I, I, I hope everyone listening to this would at least admit that they haven't done everything perfectly in their career as BMMs, but I've certainly made my own fair share of mistakes with messaging and positioning. Curious if there are any common potholes that you've found that a lot of PMMs fall into as they're thinking about writing messaging positioning, any like lessons learned or expert tips that you can share maybe on messaging and positioning for us? Yeah, same here. Not even close to perfect. <laughs> And so I would say there's two key things that I want to constantly remind myself and my team of as well is one, due diligence in advance, right? Just doing your due diligence, that's everything from research, getting buy-in internally early, making sure that all of your stakeholders are on the same page and singing the same song with the same notes, <laughs> And then being able to leverage all of that externally, whether it's with copies or visuals or whatever, that's going to give you the highest chance of getting the business result or your success metrics really hitting that sooner rather than later. I think whether you're selling an enterprise deal or getting more used to sign up for a product or a feature, or whether you're just trying to make sure that your brand is on point, that due diligence is going to provide that foundation. The other thing that I would say I would approach messaging as a very iterative process if possible. Like it can be and it should be. If you have that mindset that you kind of free yourself of the shackles of the one and done method, and it really opens up more opportunities to get more creative. And then you're always able to improve your messaging and evolve your messaging and then make data-driven decisions for the business based on that. I mean, COVID and the pandemic is a huge example of this. If you're not taking an iterative approach, if you don't have that flexibility already built into your processes, that pivot is not going to happen fast enough for you. So I think due diligence, 
iterative. Those are great tips and are worth their weight in gold for, for everyone listening here. So I appreciate those tips, Sophia. And maybe one more question for you as we look to start wrapping up here, which is the question I've asked everyone this season so far, because I think as we certainly get more senior in our career, we've had a chance to learn from a lot of folks throughout our career, right? And whether it's a mentor or a colleague or maybe a manager or anybody else for that matter, maybe what's one thing you've learned from one of those individuals or a number of those individuals that's really served you well in your career? And could you share a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. I am a huge proponent of mentor menteeships. I've been a mentor and I've also been a mentee. I would not be where I'm at without that. Oh man, that's hard just to pick one. I'm going to pick two, <laughs> but I promise I'll really, really focus on one. But the first one is what we've been talking about a lot already is from a product marketing perspective, talk to a customer. There isn't another resource more informative, more critical to your success as a product marketer than your intended audience base. And they're the ones that are going to tell you what you need to know to make the best decisions possible from strategy to execution. And so basically when you see on your job description or when you're responsible to be the quote unquote voice of the customer, you can't be that without talking to a customer. So from product marketing specifically, I would say that's one of the most critical pieces of advice I've gotten from a uh, former manager slash mentor, the one that gave me that chance when I broke into tech. The second thing is about career growth in general. And again, this was from a former manager and CMO. And one day we were just in the lunch hall hanging out and she says, how are things going? And I said, oh yeah, no, things have been great. You know, they're good. And started talking about this and that. And she said, Sophia, always have an answer to what you've been up to or how things are going. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I know that you've been up to some great things here. So what are the things that you've been achieving? Tell me about those. And so what I took from that was that I'm not saying that you always have to be on, right? Quote, unquote, on. That's exhausting. But what I did get from that is that if you're doing meaningful work, make sure that you talk about it. Don't just keep it to yourself. And then if you have that mindset, then you're always going to be doing work and thinking about what success metrics go along with that work. And when the right opportunity presents itself, you have something really exciting to share and it comes out very organically and naturally. And especially as someone who identifies as Asian American and female, this has been a game changer, both in instilling more confidence in myself and in turns others in me. And I'm not going to lie, it's super uncomfortable. <laughs> And it was very, very, very uncomfortable at the beginning. But I realized over time that if I look at it from, I'm just sharing good news all the time. So hashtag winning and overcoming imposter syndrome, like all the time. <laughs> so those I would say are the two big things. I love that. I am certainly going to jump on the hashtag winning train or, <laughs> or bandwagon as well. But that's truly two incredible tips that you've gotten throughout your career. And on the second one, I know just for myself, and that's sometimes it can be uncomfortable talking about yourself and your successes, right? It feels a little self-promotional, which yeah. to me, at least, I, I obviously can't speak for you or, or anybody listening, but for me, at least, it feels a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's, it's something I've definitely had to work on throughout my career as well. So that's truly incredible advice and something I will definitely personally take to heart. And I I hope all of our listeners do as well. Yes. So Sophia, thank you so much for, for taking the time and joining me on the podcast. Any final words that you wanted to share with the audience or where they can find you or anything that you're working on? 
Yeah, I'm really fun being here. It was really exciting to get to have this opportunity to chat with you and share some of these things. Like I said, I'm a huge advocate of Glassdoor and the mission and, and to be able to share some of these insights has been really fun. So if you ever have any questions about HR tech, Glassdoor, product marketing, especially, I'm all ears. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sophia. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards, delivered everywhere your sales reps live, through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, Highspot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue.